Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Hey, aren't you glad it's okay to change your mind? Come on, I mean, really, aren't you glad that you get to change your mind? How many of you know that God is in the change your mind business? He really is. Now, the Bible word for that is one that most of us don't like. I'll give you the Greek word, metanoia. It means to change your whole way of thinking. In fact, when Jesus started his ministry, his first sermon he preached, listen to this, in Mark 1.15 is this, the time has come, they had a time change, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What is Jesus saying? He's saying there has been a time change. It wasn't just a spring forward. Everything has changed. He said it's a Kairos moment where everything has changed because the kingdom of God has invaded planet Earth. He's right here in our midst. It's what, this is what Jesus is saying. But can I say he's right here in our midst. How many of you experience the presence of God this morning? Okay. How many of you are experiencing the presence of God right now where you sit? Okay, because he, he lives inside of us. And so Jesus is saying, listen, your response to my goodness is to change your way of thinking. That's what repent means. Just change your way of thinking and to line up with him. And so this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Holy Spirit's role in the kingdom of God. Okay, Joel, how many of y'all have enjoyed Joel's teaching on cultivating sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, learning to hear and to see and to feel and to know the Holy Spirit? Well, that, that is an intimate experience with the very real, tangible, living Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about another aspect, kind of the transcendence of the Holy Spirit. You know, you know the Holy Spirit is in us, but he moves amongst us, doesn't he? And so I wanna, I wanna give you kind of a big frame. Joel, Joel was real, very, very specific, and that's where we live. But I wanna give you a big frame to kind of put this idea of the role of the Holy Spirit from the very beginning within the kingdom of God. Jesus' message was the kingdom of God. If you look at him over and over and over and over again, it's clear what his central theme is. The kingdom of God has invaded planet Earth and everything has changed. Now, you're going to have to choose to change your mind and repent of your independence so that you can align with him. So about 10 months ago, I preached a message on the kingdom of God. And I'm going to finish that message this morning. But I want to talk to you particularly about the Holy Spirit. So uh, if, if uh, we can take a look at some slides here. Uh, I, want to get, I want to just say uh, this week, Natalie said something that really impacted me. We were in one of our team meetings and she said this, she said, the kingdom of God is not a power play. It is, the, it is a loving embrace. I was listening to you, Natalie. <laughs> the kingdom of God is not a power play. It's a loving embrace. You know, I don't know about you. We're, we're Americans, right? And so we don't know much about kingdoms. And so 
uh, because the founders of our country began by rebelling against oppressive kingdom government, we have an anti-kingdom bias. We really do. It's, it's, it's in our genetic fabric. And so when we hear the message of the kingdom of God, it doesn't make a lot of sense because we want our vote, right? We want our say. That's the way we Americans think. We're all about independence and freedom, right? Because that's, that's in our fabric. That's in our, our, our politics. It's in our social understandings. All of that weight of thinking is very different than the ways that Jesus is using. How many of you know you've got to use metaphors to communicate? And Jesus is using a metaphor that's unfamiliar to us, but I don't think we get the liberty just because we're American, democratic Americans to change the metaphor. How many of you know the Bible is about, first and foremost, a king? Okay? You don't get to elect a king. A king is a sovereign ruler. God is a sovereign ruler. God the Father, God the Son are sovereign rulers. They are king of kings. And we don't get a vote on that. It's not like the presidential election. He's the sovereign ruler of the universe. The second thing is the Bible is about a royal family. Now we gotta get this right because the scripture says in Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, when it's talking about the creation of mankind, it says that God took the dust of the earth, he got it together, he shaped it, he formed it, and he breathed into the very nostrils of mankind the breath of life and man became a living being. I don't know what that says to you, but that says to me that God has a loving embrace for his sons and his daughters, that from the very beginning, God is always wanted us to experience oneness with him to the point that he breathed his very breath, his very spirit into mankind. Can I tell you, that's always been God's intention for us. Sometimes we think, well, I, I, I've got the spirit of God and this person doesn't have, can I tell you, God has always wanted every single human being to be filled with his spirit and his life. That's his mission, that's his plan for mankind, to bring heaven into earth, to bring the kingdom of God into earth, to colonize planet earth, to extend his influence throughout all of the territory called planet earth. And so God has created this royal family with his very spirit in them. See, if you, if you live in a kingdom context, you understand what a royal governor is. We don't know what a royal governor is because we understand representative government, you know, in, in our state, we have a governor. In 50 states in the United States, how many governors are there? There's 50 governors. So a governor is not a royal governor in our context. He answers to the people of a state. He doesn't answer on a federal level to one sovereign, does he? But this governor that I'm talking about is a royal governor that God placed inside of mankind when he blew his spirit, his breath into mankind that we would be a living human being. Are you with me so far? And so the, but the story of the Bible is about a king, but it's about a royal family. Let's, let's go back. We, we, I jumped ahead. It's about a royal family. You know, the Bible says that we 
are the sons and daughters of the Most High God, the Most High King. Now that's, that's pretty, pretty, pretty cool, huh? That's pretty exciting. He desires oneness with us. It says that, that we are not his subjects, but he is the king of kings. You, you didn't get it. He's the king of kings. Guess who the kings are? Us. We're his royal family. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to him so that he can get the word out. We declare his praises. The one who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay? And so we're a royal priesthood. We're a family. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King. But the third word up there is kingdom. It's all about a kingdom. And again, we don't understand kingdom. A kingdom has two parts to it. One is the king's domain. That's the territory that the king owns. How many of you know the creator God owns it all? He owns it all. But guess what? He loves us so much. He wants us to steward it all here on planet earth. The second part of the kingdom is the king's dominion. You know what dominion is? It's rule and reign. It's that dynamic rule and reign of God. And guess what? He loves us so much that he has deposited his governor in us to rule and to reign. Okay? This is just basic how this thing started, Genesis stuff. All right, now you can go, go to the next one there. Look at this. Because we don't understand royal governorship, I just want to give you a, a couple thoughts here. Number one is that the governor is appointed by the king, not elected by a people. And that's because, uh, unlike our governors, the royal governor is not voted in. He has relationship with the king. And so the only connection, communication that planet earth had from day one was through the governor living inside of mankind and the king in the heavenly realm. That's, that's the governor, the royal governor. Uh, the governor came from the kingdom, not from the colony. In other words, when, when countries were colonized by a kingdom, the governor was sent from the kingdom to the colony to be the royal governor. They didn't just pick somebody from within. That's how a kingdom works. And so the reason why is because the royal governor has to be steeped in the culture of the kingdom. The governor has to know the heart of the king. The governor has to know the intent of the king. He has to know the mind of the king. He has to know the reasons of the king. The royal governor represents the king. And so, again, he, his allegiance, his responsibility, his accountability is only to the king. Kind of like an ambassador, except he, exactly like an ambassador. But in this case, as God is setting this thing up, there is a oneness between the governor and the king because he expresses the mind, the will. He never promotes his own agenda. He only takes the vision and the heart of the king. Now, 
Fast forward a little bit into the New Testament as we read about the role of the Holy Spirit. Guess what the Holy Spirit's job is to do? It's to reveal the heart of God. It's to always reflect and point us to Jesus because the three are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So from the very beginning, God has set this thing up for us to be positioned for oneness with him. Go to the next one here. The governor expresses the mind and will of the king. The governor is responsible for converting the colony to the kingdom's culture, values, nature, language, lifestyle. Basically what happens is the governor interprets to the people what the king's heart is. Here's how you dress. Here's how you talk. Here's how you, which side of the road you drive on. What, you know, here's the food we're gonna eat. These are the ways, the etiquette of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit within us directs us in the ways of the kingdom of God. It goes on, he says, that the colony, if, now this is important, if the colony, if a colony declares, uh, gives a declaration of independence, and this is, this is in any colonial situation where they have a king and a kingdom ruling over them, then the governor leaves that colony, either by force or by recall. During the American Revolution, we had multiple colonies. And during the revolution, the royal governors, they were all forced out. They all left. Now, why do I say all that? Well, I, I think whenever you realize the progression in scripture, what happens, it makes a little bit more sense. Because, let's go to the next one here. The Bible is also about a colonization project. From the very beginning, God gives the marching orders and says, listen, Jesus prayed it this way. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, those are the marching orders to extend the influence of the king here on planet earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up being taught that the end game was to get to heaven, right? How many of you know that's not the end game? The end game is to get heaven to here. The end game is what, what Bob said, for us to become ambassadors of the kingdom of God. The end game is to have the governor so living in us that everywhere we go, we re reflect. We just get Jesus juice on people everywhere we go. The Holy Spirit's just, just everywhere we go. And the kingdom's advancing wherever we go. That's the colonization project, okay? The project has never changed. God has always wanted his will and his purposes, his plan on planet earth through people who are governed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, now the next part in the story though is, is usually where most people wanna start because the colony of earth declared their independence. They made a declaration of independence. You know, I've got a friend um, who's Irish and every 4th of July he calls me and he says, happy rebellion day. But he has now become an American citizen in this last month, so I can't wait till the 4th of July because he's one of us. He's one of us. But if you have your scripture, turn with me to Genesis chapter two. 
And it says in verse 15, it says, the Lord, took God, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That's probably not the first time you've heard this story. You know, the amazing thing about the story is that usually our focus is on the prohibited tree. It's not the abundance. Can I tell you the heart of God is, he says, you got it all. You can do whatever you want to do. Lisa and I right now are trying to determine the best course for us. We're to, we're to go to Greece next, this time, or next Sunday. And with all the, you know, stuff going on. And I really feel like the Lord said, you got a green until you get a red. You know? I, I, I think the God, that's how God works. I think he's a God of abundance. I think he says, it's, it's yours. It's yours. You got it all. It's anything you want. You got it. It's yours. He said, but listen, I know what's best for you. So I've got a choice you're going to have to make here. Just one tree in the whole garden. But I'm going to tell you, this tree of reason and independence will ruin you if you eat of it. This tree of life, the tree of the governor, the tree of the spirit, in the very middle there are those two trees. Everything else you can eat from everything, including the tree of life. Just one, one prohibition. This one will kill you. He said, if you eat from this tree, what does he say? You surely die. What does that mean? You know, most of it, you only just conk over, kill over dead. I'll tell you what it means. Death is the absence of life. He said, the minute you eat from that tree, the governor will depart. The Holy Spirit will depart. Because what is the source of life? It's the Holy Spirit living in us. He says, the minute you declare your independence, the Holy Spirit leaves. See, that's why it's so important what Natalie shared this morning about choosing to change your mind to align with God's mind. That's called repentance. Repentance is good. Over and over, every day, all day, I want to align with you, God. I want my mind to be aligned with you. I do not want the Holy Spirit to be lessened in power and authority in my life. And, and, and devastation takes place. It, 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 they choose to listen to the wrong voice, the accuser, the liar, the deceiver. And the serpent, the devil, the adversary causes catastrophic fall of mankind. In so doing, man cuts off the governor and man chooses the tree of reason, the tree of independence over the tree of life. And no longer is mankind in touch with heaven. You ever feel that way? Like you've been severed from heaven? I'm gonna help you change your way you think. I'm gonna help you change your way you think. I got, that's, the good news is better than most of the world has ever thought it was. It really is such good news because it's a good news of a good king. And so heaven and earth are no longer in touch. Mankind is left without purpose or meaning. You know, what are, what are the big questions that 
great philosophers ask, who am I? Why am I here? Why was I created? Where did I come from? Where am I going? You know where that came from? That came from sending the governor away, the Holy Spirit. And so devastation is the next thing. After that, the devastation of man's declaration. Do you realize that that the bulk of this book, this is one of the confusing things most people, the bulk of this book, right here, that much to that much, is about the destruction and the devastation of the fall of man. It's about man's trying to appease a deity that he thinks is angry and unappeasable. Let's give more sacrifices to the God so our crops don't die and our babies don't, don't have still be stillborn. We don't have all these problems. We've got to appease this God because they didn't know this God anymore. It's all about, well, let's please the God. Let's, let's, let's work harder, more human effort, more things we can do. And you know what that's called? That's called striving. We got some, we've all tasted it. It's called religion, isn't it? Man's attempt to, to curry the favor of deity who's out there somewhere and God's saying, I'm just as close as the mention of my name. I hadn't gone anywhere. I love you. I'm for you. I'll rescue you. I will come and live in you. I will, all of that, God's available how many of you know that God never, ever, ever, never, never, ever, ever, never had any interest in religion? Amen. I mean, he's never. He's never had, you know, you think about all the big bickering and fighting over the world religions, you know, you know whether it's Islam or Judaism or Christianity, we all say Abraham's our guy. And God never wanted to start a religion. You know Why? Because God was always about getting some people, extending his invisible kingdom to a visible earth. He was always wanted a kingdom of earth as it is in heaven. He always wanted ambassadors who would tell the rest of the earth how good he is. Now, doesn't that make it a little more simple to you? When you just say, it, it really, it ain't about all this other stuff. It really is about the goodness of God as revealed by his Holy Spirit in the person of Jesus. I mean, you know, Jesus is big enough to encompass every religion and every sect and every cult and every everything. He's bigger than all that. He'll, he just says, come and follow me, doesn't he? He says, repent and believe the good news. Don't you think if that became our word, it would be better news to other people too? I think, you know. So God, in the fullness of time, God begins a restoration plan and purpose. And he redeems mankind through the blood of Jesus. The new covenant blood of Jesus. He overcame the violence of mankind. He overcame the distorted thinking and alienation in the minds of mankind by humbling himself, coming as a man and dying for the sins of all mankind. Wow. Wow. And in that, he says, I want you to understand that this blood that's gonna be shed for you in just a few hours is the blood, it's my blood and the new covenant. Everything is going to change. 
It's gonna all now be about a once for all forgiveness. No more sacrifices. You don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to work harder, strive more or whatever. It's gonna be about my spirit, the governor being restored to live inside of you. It's going to be about my son being enthroned as king of kings again. It's gonna be about the pouring out of my spirit on all flesh and anyone who will change their mind and believe the good news. And so restoration project begins, all of that comes into, and today we're part of an advancement project of advancing the kingdom. You know, um, the advancement of the kingdom of God through spirit-filled humanity. <laughs> we are humanity. <laughs> and we are filled with the spirit of God, whether we know it or not. We've got power, we've got authority, whether we know it or not. We have the ability to be world changers, whether we know it or not. Why don't we just change our way of thinking? Why don't we just align with the goodness of God and the power of his spirit that lives inside of us? Because it's one thing to get excited and lift our hands and cry and dance and sing and have a, uh, just a pachanga, I like that, let's do it. But when we walk out those doors as kingdom advance, advancers, take it with you. Carry it with you into work. Carry it with you into school. Carry it with you everywhere you go. And a little bit whenever we have our baptisms out there and, and you, some of you guys are gonna go down in the water and you'll come up a brand new person. You buried that old man. Don't pick him back up. Let him be buried dead, 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 dead. And say, you know what? I've got the governor in me. And the issue is, will you give the governor permission to govern your life? Will you give the governor permission to govern your relationships? Will you give the governor permission to govern your finances? Will you, I got quiet. Will you give the governor permission to help you raise your children? Will you give him full reign over healing your body? What, what you know, I mean, we can go down, on down the list. It's a, it's a matter of saying, it's not me, it's you. Now, take a look at this deal here. So, so the role of the governor, I'll go through this really quick. The go, role of the governor, it, we talk about this every week. What does it look like, the role of the governor on the right side of the cross? Well, on, as we're living right now, after the cross, it looks like this. Jesus said, listen, I, I'm gonna be, my, my spirit is gonna be with you and then he's gonna live in you. You know, there, some, there's probably some people here today who've never changed their way of thinking and said, Jesus, I need you. I, I really need you. But you know what? Here's the really good news. He's still with you. He's with you right now. He's the one who's whispering in your ears. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and change your, your mind and give your life fully to Jesus because he has changed everything for you. So he's, he's with you, but he's living in us for our own benefit so that we can have fellowship with him all the time. But he comes upon us in power for other people's benefits, right? 
so that they can see what he looks like even though he's already available and present with them. And then the governor authorizes us as ambassadors for the kingdom of God to do his bidding everywhere we go. Here's the bottom line. The role of the governor is to establish the culture of the kingdom on earth until everyone says Jesus is king. Long live the king. Right? That's it. The Holy Spirit is here. Our experiences, our encounters with the Holy Spirit, though, are not just for our own benefit. They're for us to benefit others with the goodness of God. Now, I, I had a, uh, I woke up yesterday. Uh, most of y'all did. That's good. Uh, I'm gonna have the worship team. If you guys would come forward, uh, they've probably already come. So uh, I woke up Saturday morning early and the Holy Spirit just spoke this phrase to me. You are valiant, so be valiant. You are valiant, so be valiant. So I, I said, I think that's really good. But I went and looked it up, just to make sure it was good, right? And I looked it up, and valiant means possessing courage. And Lord said, that's, that's for you, but that's for we. That's for all of us. You possess courage. Be courageous. You possess the, the courageous one in you, so be courageous. You possess the valiant one in you, so be valiant. You know, Revelation 3.20 says it this way. Behold, I, I, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. If you'll just hear me and invite me, I'll come in. And I'll fellowship with you. I'll hang out with you. I will live in you. That might be a foreign concept to somebody. And God just simply says, you need, it's okay. Change your way of thinking because God is so, he is that good. Jesus is that good. He, he desires to come into your life by his spirit and to govern your life. I, um, I think that happens when we choose to live vulnerably. You know, the thing that prohibits grace is our pride, isn't it? Dr. Brene Brown says it this way. She says, vulnerability is the birthing place of courage. It's impossible to have courage without humbling yourself and being vulnerable and saying, God, I need you. I need to change my mind. I need to change my whole life. I need to turn to you. Now, wherever that is in your life, whether it's a first-time deal or there's a particular area where you need to give the governor permission to rule your life. Can, can anybody here feel like you need to just say, I give you permission to govern my life? Can we say that? I give you permission to govern my life. Holy Spirit, if, if you don't govern my life, I will make a mess of it, I promise. Right? So I'm gonna ask us, let's just stand our feet. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come forward. 
And I really believe it's a call for, to valiance, to be valiant, to, to take up the courage that you already possess. Well, Father, have your way. Lord, I pray that, that you would meet us. Lord, and, and whatever it is that God's speaking to you, we just wanna agree in prayer that the kingdom would come into that area and that the will of the king, the governor, would take full control in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.